Hi, this is Donna Otto, and I don't know about you, but I've heard Ecclesiastes read so many times in my lifetime, but I'm struck with the five lessons that I'm about to offer to you on the subject of training the will of your child. I've talked a lot about the will of a woman, and I've said for decades, an unruly mother cannot expect anything other than unruly children. And dear King Solomon, he says, for everything there is a season, every matter under heaven, a time to be born and die, to plant and pluck up, to kill and to heal, to break down, to build up, to weep, to laugh, to mourn, to dance, to throw stones, to gather stones, to embrace and to refrain from embracing, to seek and lose, to keep and throw away to tear and sow, keep silence and speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And I have been praying for you regarding these five lessons, that it's a time for you to listen to the Lord about the possibilities of reparenting you and then what you might change in your parenting style for your children. Well, the girlfriends were with us a few days ago, and they're about to make their big reveal next month, and they talked about lawnmower parenting, and as they talked, I decided to go back into the archives and re-listen to five lessons that have been the hallmark of modern homemakers in the area of training children. It is a five-day series. And I was a bit fast-paced in those days, but I still believe every word of what I taught in difference between training and teaching now over 11 years ago. Being a child in a home that had nothing left after taking care of themselves, my parents had very little opportunity to train or teach me. And working, I know what it is to be 23 and I recognized that I didn't have any foundations of my own. Being five years in faith, I began for my own journey, my Heavenly Father reparenting me. This phrase, reparent, is one I believe we are all called. That Jesus, Papa Jesus, he's accustomed to reparenting us. Maybe it's seeing a movie or reading a book or hearing a sermon, and the still voice of the Lord says, stop walking this way and start walking this way. And King Solomon said, this is the time. I see another of many edges when God calls me to these reparenting, just slide off and fall away, and I enter into a new and deeper walk with him. I'm pleased to offer these five shows. You will hear our co-voice, Kim Olinger, introduce each show. They were taped before a live studio audience. What are you doing to make sure your children are faithful to the little things? Little things mean a lot. Today, Donna Otto's podcast will be training the will of your child. I hope you enjoy this lesson as much as I did. This was recorded in front of a live audience with the women of the Scottsdale Study Group of Homemakers by Choice. And now here is Donna. Help your child be faithful in the smallest things. Now, we are a very fast culture. We're a very fast culture. We do not one thing, not two things, but four things at one time. And we can talk on the phone and drive the car and push the fax button. And it's just amazing what we can do all at one time. It's very easy for us to get careless about the little things. 
How many of you would say the thing that I feel in my heart offended at often amounts to be a small thing? My husband taught me years ago, little things mean a lot, Donna. I didn't grow up knowing that. Little things mean a lot. Every day when David leaves for work, every day of our life, I go to the edge of the garage or the edge of the house or wherever we're living, in my gown usually, and I do this little wave. Not this kind of wave, not any other kind of wave, but this little wave. Okay? That little thing means so much to him. It is the tiniest, littlest thing I can do. And I tell you, there are times in the morning when I am busy doing something else. You know, he's getting ready to go and we've had our breakfast together, we've done our things together in the morning and he's just going out the door and I'm just going to do something else. It's a little thing. And so it is in our raising of our children. What our children need is a holy mama. A holy mama. Not a hoochie mama, but a holy mama. (laughs) Someone said to me, do you know what a hoochie mama is? And I said, no, I don't think I want to know. I just sort of love the phrase. What is a hoochie mama? But you know, being a hoochie mama is like a cool thing to do, and a holy mama in today's culture is not so cool to do. It's not so cool to do. Someone said these words to me this last week. Maybe that place is too nice and too Christian. Maybe that place is too nice and too Christian? What does that really mean? Can you be too nice? Can you be too godly? In our culture, you can be. And you are subject to looking really weird. The old uh, King James Version talks about uh, being a peculiar people. A peculiar people. That's the word translated. Well, an author writes these words. Our love for God must be complete. It is impossible for me to transfer to my child a principle I do not personally embrace. It is impossible for me to transfer a principle to my child I do not personally embrace. Do you understand that? It's just passing through you. So stop. Stop there. Go back. Evaluate what principles matter to you. It is far better that you train your children to do a few solid principles than you get all scattered out here doing a little of everything that you personally are not acquainted with. So the the first part of that is, are you a holy mama? To train your child in a way that is pleasing to God, that he will grow up to be faithful in the little things, he must have a holy mama. He must have a holy mama. Ask yourself, what am I doing? Are you a dependable person? Do you show up for engagements or do you call the last minute and say, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, I can't be there? Are you faithful in the small things? Do you get up every morning at the same time? Do you brush your teeth every morning and every night? Do you maintain your body well but not be consumed with it? These are questions that you must ask for yourself because they are a part of what you give to your children, whether you like it or not. Holiness comes from the Trinity of God, and the Trinity of God is God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to understand that Trinitarian relationship, you must acknowledge each of the works of that Trinity. What is God the Father to you? What is Christ the Son to you? And what is the Spirit to you? God has given you the gift of salvation. 
He has given you the gift of these children. He has given you the authority to parent these children. And I think sometimes in this culture where absolutes are not talked about, authority is a dirty word. If submission was a dirty word in my culture, authority is a dirty word in this culture. Authority? Who is going to tell me what to do? Well, we see this wonderful illustration in the Gospels where Christ himself, two things that are said about Christ, he continues to increase in knowledge, wisdom, and stature. That's the man side of Jesus Christ. He continued to increase. And then we see this picture of Christ on the boat. He is in a boat in the Sea of Galilee. And if you have been privileged to be there or ever get to be there, it's a very small little lake nestled in some low mountains. And the weather patterns are consistent. And those fishermen had absolutely, they knew exactly what was going to happen at that time of the day with the conditions of the geography. And they got out into the boat and the storm came up and the waves got turbulent and Jesus Christ is asleep in the boat. Now, I have to tell you that for me, asleep is do not bother me. Asleep is do not bother me. My daughter slept from the night she was 14 days old all the way through and I don't think it had anything to do with what I did, although I was very diligent about training her well because someone had encouraged me to do that. But I think it was because God knew that she would be dead otherwise. Uh, because ju I'm, just, I, I, I'm, I, I'm just not a good person if you wake me up. I'm just, I'm, you just see the worst side of me. I can remember years ago, if you woke me up, someone would say, did I wake you up 3 o'clock in the morning? I'd say, no, 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 I was no. Because I was so guarded about how I behave. Because do not wake me up. I'm a cranky person if you wake me up. So I picture Jesus asleep on the boat like I am asleep, obviously from my paradigm. He has his best pillow and his best pillowcase and it's crunched up over his ears and he's, he's comfortable and he is buzz and z's. Human man, Jesus. And the storm comes up and what do those disciples do? They all panic. Help, 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 what are we going to do? We're going to die, we're going to perish. Help, help, wake up, master, save us. And he wakes up. I don't think he was cranky, but maybe he was. But he speaks with authority and he calms the sea. Now, mothers, that's your job. He gave you the gift of salvation so you are empowered. He gave you the gift of these children because he trusts you. And now he is giving you the gift of authority. Take it. Seize it. Do not be afraid. The goal in child training and rearing is teaching them to be obedient. It's not about their security. It's not about their safety. It's not about their beauty. It's not about their education. It's not about their physical prowess. It's not about what team they're going to root for. It's not about what school they're going to get accepted in. Do you, listen to me. Because every voice in this culture tells you opposite. Tutors for three-year-olds so they get into the right preschool, so they get into the right grade school, so they get into the right college prep school, so they get into the right college. Are you kidding me? Now, I feel passionate about this. I feel passionate about this. I was awake in the night asking the Lord to help me to say the right things to you, to encourage you. Because God's word stands true. The world has changed, but God has not. God has not. And what he values and finds importance is that we bend our knee and submit to him and obey his word. 
Now, you as mothers have to teach your children, or when they get to the age of choice for Jesus, they will not be able to do it. They will not be able to do it. Safety is a huge issue in this culture. Protection is a huge issue. There are dangers, stranger dangers out there everywhere. But be careful that you don't overdo that. Be careful that you don't overdo that. I have this picture from a kid's magazine. It's, um, I don't know what kid's magazine this is. I probably shouldn't say it. Um, sure, I should say it. Corners and safety. It's, anyway, it says, protect that little noggin. And it's a blow-up inflatable you put on the crawler head. How many of you think that's just going a little bit too far? Well, I certainly think it's going a little bit too far. And I think, like everything, we can take the step to the necessity to protect our children emotionally and physically and spiritually, but we can carry that too far. The goal is obedience, obedience to God through holy parents. Your children are to grow up in a climate that wants to please God. That means you have to ask this question about yourself. Are you a submissive person? Are you submitting to the will of God like it or not? And if you are like me, I was not trained to do that. I was trained to fight. I was trained to rebel. I was trained to be a maverick. Okay? Now, there were four or five people that I was trained to absolutely, positively do what they tell me to do. But I was the child, you know. I'm sitting down on the outside, but standing up on the inside. That was me. Because that was how I was trained to be. Be absolutely uh, a fighter. God has called us to create a climate that pleases God first. Pleases Tell your children that. Show your children that. Remind them that the most important thing they can do is please God. That's not corny. That's not Christian. That's not... Yes, it's out of sync in the culture. It is out of sync in the culture. It's okay. Begin with the basic commandments. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Do you love the Lord your God and are you teaching your children to love the Lord your God? And then secondly, teach them to honor their mother and their father. I've said this before, I'll continue to say it, the reason why you teach your children to honor their parents. And some of you who are in divorce situations where you have a husband who you don't even like, and for understandable reasons, because he's done terrible, dreadful things, abandoned you, done all sorts of discrediting to the word of God activities. And now I stand here and say to you, you have to teach that child how to honor that man. Yes, that isn't easy. That isn't easy. But God has not changed his mind. And God knew when he gave this child to the two of you what was going to happen. And he is calling you from the mother's side. Now remember, if the fathers were here, I'd be saying the same thing to them. He's calling you to do what you can to help your children learn how to honor their father. Why? Because if we honor our parents, it is the first commandment with a promise. And if they do this, it will go well for them and they will have long life. Is that what you want for your children? That's what I want for my child. Mary Slessor, who was a missionary, um, she's been dead probably 60 years, she said, half the world's sorrows come from the unwisdom of parents. Half the world's sorrows come from the unwisdom of parents. Well, these are the three teaching points. We're never going to get through all of them today, but we've written them down for you. Teaching and training your child, the must-dos of a child, and the specifics of training, training a child. What I want to spend a few minutes on this morning is... 
some things that I think are cultural effects that I want to lay as a groundwork for you and things that we are told in the culture. Okay, And then I'll give you the verse. I think they're pretty much in order, but we did all the Proverbs first that counteracts what the culture says. The first one is the culture says, learn to think for yourself. Learn to think for yourself. Actually, would a few of you help me? Do you have your Bible, Pat? Would you find Proverbs 1.8, Sonia, Proverbs 1.29 through 31? Um, who else has a Bible right here? Uh, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 8.13, okay? So Proverbs 1.8, Pat, would you read it? Okay, um, Proverbs 1.8. Our culture says, learn to think for yourself. Do it your way. What you think is valuable and should be heard. Let me say what I think. Let me tell you my side of it. And the Bible says, Hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Your father's instruction and your mother's teaching. D don't forsake it. Hear it. Take it in. It's not about just what you think. It is about what your mother and father are teaching you. And the Word of God tells us that's, that's anti-21st century. Tolerance should be our mindset. Proverbs 1, 29-31. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. Okay. We're, we get really criticized for being intolerant as people who believe that the Word of God is truth and that there are absolutes. Now, you all know that I'm a black and white person. I think black and white, I dress black and white, I live black and white. Believe me, I know there are gray areas and there are middle grounds. But the Word of God is a black and white issue. He says, do it, do it my way. He doesn't say, Rearrange it. Let's put a little 21st century spin on it. Now, here's the difference. Here's the difference. The difference is the message doesn't change. The message doesn't change. Are you listening? The message, the Word of God, doesn't change. The method does change. I love the old hymns of the faith. How many of you don't even know what an old hymn of the faith is? Old four verses, five verses. David and I sing a hymn every morning. We make up some of the lyrics, I mean some of the melody, because we don't know some of the old hymns in these books that we're going through to sing the words. They're full of theology and doctrine and truth. Okay? And they've got a kind of calm rhythm to them. Okay, I want you to listen to this song. I understand that you're all quite familiar with this song. This is a new song to me and a new author. His name is Matt Redman. Now, if Samuel were here, he'd have his little guitar going. It's a pretend guitar. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life I won't turn back, I know you are near And I won't fear no
my generation thinks that's noise. It is too loud and it's too many rhythms in the back. But if you listen to the words in that song, it's Psalm 23. I will not fear. That is, that is a cultural difference. We have nothing to be afraid of. The Lord, my God, will help you. Do not be afraid, Isaiah 50 and 7. I have set my face like a flint. I will not be distracted from what God has called me to do. Now that is a Christ-centered position. What is the position of the culture? Fear. The message hasn't changed. Do not be afraid. That is the message. The method has changed. The girls were kidding me this morning that I was cool. You know, I've always wanted to be cool. The truth is I'm not cool. I know I'm not cool. I'll never be cool. I think being cool was sort of a, I don't know, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. It's a childlike thing still inside of me, okay? Cool. Maybe that's why I had that little yellow car. I think I'm cool. But I'm not cool. I know I'm not cool. But I do think you have to be clear as a mother. Do you see the difference? Just because it's loud and rocky, there are some of those songs that are out now that are a new method. They are not full of a good message. That's your job. That's your job to know the message to know what God's word says and make certain that it is imparted to your children. The method has to be watched over. But we are not to live in this culture afraid. There is nothing to be afraid of. How many of you have had a passing fear with regard to the stock market and the finances? My husband works as a pastor in this church, and he, in his second career in life, a tax attorney moved to a pastoral position. And one of the things he does is meet with people who are in financial need. And he comes home every day with someone who's come into the office and says, I can't pay the water bill. I lost my company. The stories are growing graver and more frequent. It is easy to be afraid. But the Lord my God has called us not to be afraid. And every time you experience fear, what you do is forget who Jesus is. You don't mean to forget who Jesus is. So make certain in this training of your children that your fear factors are kept at a minimum, that you know how to work through when fear comes, and fear comes to all of us. None of us should be embarrassed to say, I am afraid, I have been afraid. You will be afraid again. Fear comes. But when fear comes, what do you do? And when fear comes in the place for your children, what do you do? There should be no fear.